0: there's never been a better time for physical products than now my name is Dallin Bay and I want to learn from the best minds in the industry this is the golden age for consumer products this is a time where anyone can go from zero to financially independent this is the physical products movement Welcome to the physical products movement. My name is Down Drew Bay. I am your host. This podcast is powered by Fiddle Inventory, the best, the fastest, the most innovative inventory management software to ever hit the market. These guys are disrupting this industry. No more hefty servers, no more unresponsive customer support. Fiddle is cloud based, so nothing will get in the way of your production. And Fiddle's created a -a one-of-a-kind Kanban or Trello board view. So you can see your work orders and sales orders in the most clear way possible. And the best part is Fiddle is free. It has room to grow and paid plans as you go. But if you want to get started, there's no lengthy demos, no binding contracts, and the free lasts forever. Free trials are a thing of the past. So go to fiddle.io slash podcast today to see the latest episodes of this podcast and also to get started. Tell me about yourself.
1: What's your name? What's your company? My name is Devin Kilpack, and I am an owner and partner in Gather. And it um, was started about five years ago, a little more than that. Um, but five years ago, we kind of formed a partnership together with our the current partners in Gather right now, three partners, and we started, yeah, we started making maths. And um, th- the idea kind of came up because my wife was um, feeling frustrated about making messes on Grandma's old blanket that we used to eat on mm. every night. Yeah. Outside. We had we lived in a small apartment with no AC and cooking in the home just made it unbearable to eat inside. So yeah. we ended up in the summer outside eating on the front grass and on grandma's old blanket. And <laughs> um with two young children spilling at almost every occasion was the reality. Mm-hmm. You know? So Um, got tired of doing laundry every day (laughs) in a small apartment. Yeah. And so the idea was kind of born to do something wipeable Mm. that you didn't have to put in the washing machine. Mm. And, um, I was in China for a sourcing trip for Mm. another startup that I was working on and visited a raw material supplier that provides goods and material for shoe manufacturers and and mm-hmm. other companies and came home with several books of swatches of colors of this material hmm. uh PU leather and and I came home with those and I she loves color so I think that was probably part of the turn on there as well but she you know she had this realization this is the material for our wipeable blankets huh so We purchased um, some material from the LA fabric district and kind of made some prototypes Hmm. of a PU leather or bonded leather blanket, wipeable blanket, and kind of got on the way. Hmm. So uh, we did a Kickstarter to, you know, enter and see what kind of interest there was in the broad marketplace we had done a few small product tests in the local market here in mm-hmm. Provo, just a few blocks away, actually, in a little small shop roundup, kind of a Saturday shopping event for mm. small business, and we had so we sold about a thousand dollars worth of product that wow. first day on a Saturday, and it wow. felt like oh that's, that's a good start. It was yeah. about a third of the amount of inventory we had. Sure, and we thought yeah maybe there's something here. Mm. We had a we had started a website and an Instagram account prior to that little, mm-hmm. that little event. And this was probably, um, it would be six years ago this summer okay. that we did that little event and it went well enough that we thought, Hey, we'll just keep this going, post on our Instagram account and pushed it along. And we're selling, you know, a few mats here and there off our site and decided let's, let's really try and push this thing. So we st- that's when we decided to do a Kickstarter. Um, and at that time, the company brand was Let's Playground. Mm. And that's kind of how we started the concept was under that name. And um, anyway, that's kind of a bit of the founding story of how it came to be and, yeah. and so forth.
0: That's so fascinating. I, this is the thing. This is why I love products, because you have all these stories of we had this problem that we observed and we yeah. went out to fix it. So what I'm trying to understand, you were you guys were in a small apartment. You, had, you said three kids? Two kids. Two two small kids. You've got, you know, you're outside eating. How did you go from there to going to China to looking at material? You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And that's that's I think where as an early aspiring entrepreneur mm-hmm. I always got hung up on because I always thought it was just like this you know big surprise like yeah. this big revelation mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like it just works. became an entrepreneur and <laughs> right. it just started working really well mm-hmm. and the more I've learned and the more businesses I've started and and failed a number of those I've realized that there's there's a story behind everything and it it's also logical. It's not usually just some big surprise revelation. Mm -hmm. Um, So the backstory for us and how did that China thing just come to be was that I graduated um, in biology was my Mm -hmm. degree planning to go to medical school. Hmm. Um, But I got a job in business because ultimately I decided not to go to medical school. Right. And, so my journey in the workplace started kind of in the science side of business mm-hmm. um as a quality manager ultimately a few years after I graduated that led to a job um here in Utah working for a medical device and cable connector manufacturer Oh cool. And I was a quality manager mm-hmm. and they had operations in China where they were manufacturing all their goods. Mm. So that was my first introduction to working in China was through my job mm. at, at that company. As a quality manager, I was responsible for managing the quality controls and the processes mm-hmm. and the corrective actions at our facility in China, mm. which was owned by the company Yeah, and had about 400 employees over there. Mm. So that's where I got my start in China, and mm. that was – you know, a couple of years I'm trying to think exactly, three years before we even started the business. It's awesome. This business. So that's the story. You yeah. know, it wasn't just some surprise opportunity. But I I traveled to China a couple of times for that business. And um Gather is the tenth company I've been a part of as a founder or wow. owner. So Great. I've tried a lot of things. Sure. And so for one of those other businesses that I was starting and working on with an, uh, another partner was the reason for this particular trip to China. Yeah. We were heading over for a sourcing trip to visit some of my contacts that I had made in China and visit some factories and mm-hmm. so forth. So we kind of just stumbled upon these swatches and didn't intend to use them for that business, but I was more excited about the color palette that was being shown. And so I, I brought him home, um, semi unrelated to that other business. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the answer to that history. And I, I think it's important for any aspiring entrepreneur to just recognize that you need to look at your strengths and your background Mm -hmm. because that's oftentimes where there can be some opportunities. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It is. It's funny because you hear the stories and generally when we, tell these stories it's here's the highlights and now we're here but it's been kind of the same process for me entrepreneurially it's like it's not it is not like a clear path one day you make this decision you just go it it's a process and it's a long process sometimes you know yeah and that's cool and i I think it's important you know for us to, to help people understand that and 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 understand that you know it's not just It wasn't just you bought a ticket, flew out there, knocked on a a door, and, you know, it's a process, and that's great. Yeah, And it's inspiring to help you understand you got to keep going. Can't give up. That's right. Can't give up. Yeah. Awesome. So I like the name. I love the name. How did the name come about? That's what I'm interested in.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so after we formed our, our new partnership with the company, around February of Mm -hmm. 2015, about five years ago, um, we got thinking about the name and felt like we wanted to make a change to represent the market opportunity that we saw. Mm -hmm. So the name was a little bit limited in that regard. And so we started thinking about that. And later that year in October, we just changed our name to Gather. Mm -hmm and we we thought a lot about names and naming and what we wanted to associate our brand with yeah and um you know i, I think a name is very important for branding purposes sure and we had to end up spelling gather wrong because mm-hmm. of a url conflict <laughs> um which is why it's spelled g a t h r e but we had a number of names and You know, we thought about them and it it was a several week process, but gather to us meant, you know, it really embodied the mission of both the product and the culture of the company that we wanted to put out there. Hmm. Um, Gather as a product meant to us, we're going to gather people onto this wipeable blanket You know, Mm -hmm. gather loved ones, gather friends, gather memories, gather experiences, and um, gather adventure. Like, Mm -hmm. there's all these things we were trying to bring and keep close with the use of this product Mm -hmm. as almost like a portable foundation for your life to go experience the world on. Um, And as a a company and a product mission, it kind of meant to us, like, we're going to go – we're going to continue to add products Mm -hmm. to the mix over time. Yeah. um, And thereby gathering other goods, other items that we find missing in our lives that we want to have. And um, our focus on product has always been very selfish. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we, we like things that are, we we wanted to make things that we could use so that we had a use for yeah. but our filter and our mindset on those is that we want it to be aesthetically beautiful mm-hmm. and pleasing and also functional yeah so gather for us meant that we were going to marry function and beauty together mm-hmm. as we continued to add other new products sure. to the company um and then For the brand, I think we wanted it just to continue to embody, um, welcoming people of all different types and welcoming, um, you know, experiences to, to gather and to put yourself outside of your comfort zone to go up in the mountains and try something new, you know, and, and take a product with you that is a safe, clean foundation that you can, um, kind of have be part of your home, you know, Mm -hmm. take home with you. So that's kind of what gather ended up meaning to us. And really the reason why we settled on that. And it also then opened the door for us with product development sure, and with the branding, as we continue to expand, who was this for? That's awesome. I love
0: that idea because now you have like a core philosophy for bringing on new SKUs, new, new products. Yeah. Cause I was looking at, and your products are gorgeous. I was looking at them Thank and, you. and it's multifunctional. It was very smart to go, okay, we've made this first idea, but now let's, what can we do with this material? Right. And you know, what was your first new product and kind of how did you start going down that path to make new products out of your original idea?
1: Yeah. It's a great question. When we first launched, we launched with Five sizes. Okay. So it was all using the same material. Mm -hmm. And you cut the material into a different size and it has kind of a different core function. Right. So for us, that opening lineup was, you know, like a diaper changing mat, Mm -hmm. a high chair mat that would kind of go under a high chair during Mm -hmm. mealtime. Smart. Or like for tummy time. Um, And then a medium and a large Mm all-purpose mat. So a medium size that could fit two to four people depending on the age and then a larger size that was for the entire family. Um, and there were two shapes on that one. So those were our five items we opened up with. And, um, it from there, it was more just an evolution of listening to customers and listening to our own, you know, interests and, and needs. Um, we I think ventured next into a larger size for the changing mat and then a bib made out of the same material. Hmm. And from there I, you know, I probably couldn't even call off right off the hip shooting from the hip here. Just the next, you know, the next sequence of events. But today we have, I think, 26 different product categories. Um, starting from like the initial maybe four mm-hmm. four or five categories now and it includes all sorts of things. And it was just more an evolutionary process sure. as we listened to customers and to our own
0: needs. So you guys, okay, this is interesting to me because that means you, you've you had experience to thoroughly understand products that work and don't. Right. So for someone that's looking to expand into multiple products from where they first started, any advice for them as they're starting to expand out?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to draw on one example where we launched into a product that was very disconnected from our original core Mm -hmm. and talk through that and then maybe talk through one that was much more related just to keep the scope a little more narrow. Sure. And in the instance where we launched a product that was outside of the core scope, um, it was a vegan leather yoga mat. So it mm-hmm. was a, a rubber yoga mm-hmm. mat topped with our signature bonded leather or a signature vegan leather surface. Cool. And we did a Kickstarter for that one as mm-hmm. well. So that was our second Kickstarter that we've done. And we primarily did the Kickstarter... For marketing purposes to reach a new audience. Sure. Thinking originally it was going to be a really great product for the hardcore yogis of Mm -hmm. the world. And that was a really big bridge to, or a really big gap to try and cross (laughs) and bridge. (laughs) Um, And we leaned on. Influencers a lot mm-hmm. for that, and the Kickstarter a lot to really bridge that. And without doing those things, I think it would have flopped for sure, mm-hmm. um, because it was so far outside of our core. Right. Um, so it's almost like starting another new business in that regard, mm-hmm. where you really have to gear up and from from a marketing standpoint and like an effort level of effort standpoint to make mm-hmm. sure that it's going to catch some traction. Mm -hmm. Um, not to say that you can't have success once, once you've launched and it was, you you didn't catch traction Mm because you can always try and go relaunch that thing. But, um, it's definitely more mentally appealing and, and, and it's definitely more, um, sustainable, from like just a mental output standpoint, if you do launch and there's some measure of success, right? Yeah. Cause it gives you encouragement to keep going. Mm. Um, so that's the experience we had with something that was pretty far outside of our core niche. Mm. And then another item that was within our, our same niche was that we were, we started doing um, we had, we had printed designs on our mats Right when we first started, had some quality problems, mm-hmm. had to stop because of the quality problems. Mm. And then a couple of years later, after lots of testing, we finally relaunched it and mm. it, it was a big hit. But the category that was different, but very close to what we were doing is like a tapestry category ah. where, you know, we had been printing on our mats before. Mm hmm. As like a blanket, like as a sure. mat that people could use for different purposes. But we hadn't printed something on our mats that was specifically intended to be used as a tapestry, hmm. but that could alternatively be used as a play mat. Right. And for us, it was, you know, we've had numerous products that kind of fit this same category of being close to our our core, sure, but different. And it's so much easier to chart a path toward a future product that you want to do Mm -hmm. and kind of inch your way closer to that product market Hmm. through product launches that are, that are stepping you closer to that than it is to just take a big giant leap over to that other product category. Hmm. So for us, that's our product strategy. I mean, we have a five-year plan of all the products we want to launch and if I listed out some of the items on our plan that are five years out from now, you'd be like, what? That doesn't (laughs) even fit. There's no way, you know, it would just seem really out of context. Um, but through this, you know, stepwise process, our plan is to just continue expanding into product that we love and that we, that we want to have for ourselves, but either isn't the right price point, Mm -hmm. isn't the right, you know, look and feel aesthetic mm-hmm. um, or maybe the right material set. Mm-hmm. So, and in those cases, when we're launching something that's very close to our core, like with the tapestries, it totally blew us away Yeah. Um, in terms of the level of success. And it was because we put a lot of effort into the launch and that effort went a really long way because we were, it was already resonating with our core audience. Sure. Yeah. So
0: d- when, you began printing is your manufacturer doing the printing
1: as well now or do you have that separate Mm -hmm. yeah we used to do it with uh, a small little printing shop Mm -hmm. um, overseas near our manufacturer and once we got to a certain volume we and our factory together kind of decided we were going to bring it in-house so we bought some equipment did some training and kind of brought that process in-house, which has allowed us to be a little more nimble with manufacturing and, Mm -hmm. and our lead times. Cool. So you're producing enough then you're not outsourcing
0: your manufacturing. Is it, if I'm understanding correctly,
1: we are outsourcing it, but it's very much a partnership that we have. We have one primary manufacturer for most of our goods. Cool. Um, and it's in, in most ways, it's like a partnership. We. Mm. We have a very, very close relationship with them. Um, so much so that we have discussed starting businesses with them hmm. separate from what we're already doing together. Hmm. That's awesome.
0: How did you, and you know, I'm digging here, but how did you guys get connected in the first place? Just fascinating to me. You know, you yeah. found the perfect partner. You guys are working perfectly together. How did you even get connected to start?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um we first got started I've always been really curious and and wanted to just dig and find where something was made. Just yeah. a, a curiosity that I have. And we <laughs> it's a funny story. We actually had this sofa. We were saving all of our pennies to buy this little sofa for our small apartment that I was talking about. Mm. And um I think it cost just over three hundred dollars this little Mm. sofa, it's like a leather sofa, white, very modern and very simple. Yeah. Well made. And I was so curious about where it was made because I was impressed with the workmanship and the quality. And I was, so I started digging. I talked to the retail outlet that we purchased it from and I just started digging and digging and digging. And I found ultimately after several steps the name of the company in Mm. China that had made it. yeah, And so I, you know, I thought, well, sewing a sofa with this faux leather is going to be the same concept, same principle as sewing on our PU leather for these mats. Mm -hmm. So a a furniture manufacturer seems to make, lots of sense. Mm. So that's where we opened the door and said, Hey, are you guys willing to make some prototypes for Mm. us? This is our own design product. It's not furniture. How do you feel? And they were totally up for it. And Mm. that is the company that has become this big partner for us. And they've grown a lot over the last uh, four years. We first started manufacturing our stuff locally here in Utah, by the way. So it was probably not until about a year and a half in Mm. that we Opened the door with this manufacturer, gotcha overseas.
0: And do you feel like using that first local manufacturer allowed you to have what the resources you needed to to be able to go into that overseas manufacturer?
1: No, but I didn't have the I didn't have the contact when we first started mm. in China, and I didn't feel as comfortable working with suppliers in China. Yeah when we first started. So it was out of my reach when we first started to have considered making it with a cut and sew factory in China. Um, But from a volume standpoint, I think it would have worked out. Mm -hmm. Their MOQs were not so high that we couldn't have started something and Mm -hmm. it would have been maybe, you know, our, our order quantity would have been far lower, far less frequent sure. If We started with them from the beginning, but, um, yeah, it was just out of my reach and out of context. So we started with what we knew and started and did the best we could. And as we ran into problems and hurdles, it kind of forced us to look elsewhere yeah. and to explore other options.
0: That sentence summarizes what I imagine were sleepless nights and a lot of stress <laughs> to be able to get it yeah. all figured out.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Oh, I love it. Awesome. Okay. So The other thing I wanted to talk to you about is looking at your site, looking at the prints and everything, getting the whole manufacturing side is one thing, but actually creating this trendy, modern, beautiful-looking product. How how did you go about doing that? Do you have some designers you've worked with? Has it all been with your partnerships? I mean, what what have you guys
1: done to to pull that off? Well, we've always had a very keen focus on design. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, painting a picture of our back background briefly will, will maybe help with some understanding there. But my wife, um, my wife's mother, my mother-in-law is a graphic designer, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, by training and she's, she has this really, really great eye for color and aesthetics. And so I think that was you know, infused into my wife, into Mary Lee yeah. growing up. And she also spent a lot of time in New York City dancing. Mm. So she had great exposure to good design mm. in big cities and trends. So that always pushed her, I guess that grew her interest a lot in fashion and design. Mm. And I served a two year volunteer mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints in Sweden. Oh cool! So I spent two years there um, amongst some of the most trendy people in the world. Yeah, one of the most trendy countries, um, and fell in love with the European design and mm-hmm. the simplicity and the the white modern look. Yeah, from Scandinavia, and so that was influencing me, and that had pushed me. To want to create some of my own logos and designs in some of these previous businesses I had tried, so mm. I was kind of working on this side hustle as a you know improving my graphic design skills, yeah, and um, our other partner, Jessica, had also had experience from some previous experiences mm. uh, dabbling with graphic design mm. so from the start, we were doing our own graphic design, yeah um, between Jessica and I mm. with Merlye's final taste touch, you know, she's got the final touch and that really has influenced our design focus for everything we do. It's very modern. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. It's very functional. Um, and that has, has been a core focus of everything we do. So every bit of marketing we put out there, any assets we create design assets or anything colorways, everything kind of has this influence of like a modern Simple white elegant design, yeah. Um, so we've been pushing that for a long time, and this is one of the key recommendations I have actually for anybody who's really trying to excel or trying to grow a product company, mm-hmm. and that is you really need to focus on what is unique to you mm-hmm. and what your core strengths are, and lean on those. Hmm. You don't need to try and mold yourself to become what you see in others to be successful because it's not about what's unique about them that has made them successful from Hmm. a design standpoint or from, you know, a product niche standpoint. Timing is always a factor in success, Mm -hmm. Um, but so is also using your own resources and Hmm. leaning on your own personal identity and what strengths you have. But, in building a brand, I would say going niche, and we started so niche, you know we were we yeah. were looking to target moms who had like one or two kids, mm-hmm. maybe three kids who you know was looking for something that was functional but beautiful hmm. and that was compact that they could take with them to the park so there was this really, really niche focus when we first started, yeah, and we started putting content out. That was our design goal. It was, it was white and it was beautiful and it was functional. And Mm -hmm. that was, we tried to wrap everything we put out there in that kind of a, an envelope, you know, of just these, these core things. And over time you find that you'll start attracting people Mm -hmm. who are like-minded, who have, who, who jive with that concept, right? right? Jive with the look and feel who it just makes sense to. And that grows and grows. And so that's one key recommendation I I really have to any aspiring product entrepreneur is stay focused on your niche and keep putting out there your niche and and that key focus. And it just takes time to build an audience.
0: Hmm. Authenticity. I think a lot of people try to manufacture authenticity; doesn't work. We yeah. see right through that, right? Yeah. You
1: got to be real. It mm-hmm. has, to, especially today. You know, I think things were different five years ago, yeah. where you could kind of gloss things over and and, and maybe be a little bit un- inauthent- unauthentic mm-hmm. about your approach, and it worked. Um, mm-hmm. But today, as there's more pressure from young folks, young people you know, the new generation to be real Mm -hmm. because social media allows us all to just hide the real us very easily, right? By just posting this super happy selfie or happy family photo when, you know, you've got a super rough or unhappy life behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I think the push is more authenticity and more personal, getting personal, getting real And that's really a key area that's helped us grow our audience and resonate with our customers is just trying to be real and authentic and not um, yeah, just fabricate this reality that doesn't exist or can't exist really for anybody.
0: And it helps that you guys use the product. You build the product you wanted, right? And so now talking about it, sharing it, it's not difficult. You're not sitting down with your wife and going, okay, how can we – present this in a way it's like no you you enjoy it yourself it's easy to go from there yeah smart so i think focusing on something that's niche is it's essential to this whole thing because we can all get caught up in trying to go after every fad or everything but sticking to your you know your zone is important um do you use any tools? Do you have any apps or any tech stack that you you couldn't live without? Instagram. Instagram.
1: <laughs> yeah, we couldn't have done it without Instagram. It's awesome. Plug for Instagram, um, social media in general has has been huge for us from a marketing standpoint. We we actually got to seven figures as a business without doing any paid marketing or advertising. Wow! So it was something that was very key for our growth. Mm-hmm. Um, we, was that
0: just, sorry to interrupt you, was no. that just organic content?
1: Well, I mean... All organic content. That
0: you just put out on your own Instagram.
1: Yep. That is incredible. Working with influencers, doing giveaways. Wow. You know, lots of, you know, um, kind of guerrilla marketing mm-hmm. tactics, but all just, I mean, there was... There was occasions where we gave product in exchange for something, like a post. But we didn't spend a dollar on advertising or marketing efforts um, up until we had grown, you know, when we hit seven figures in in revenue. It's amazing. Social media, I would say, is is key Mm -hmm. for us. Um, And we've been on a few different shopping platforms. Uh, I think we... Maybe two. We first started on Squarespace Mm. um, years ago when we didn't really know exactly the best platform to be on. And it quickly became evident to us that we needed to change from Squarespace because it didn't have the functionality and some things we needed. And at the time we were looking at and comparing, what do we go Shopify or do we go WordPress and do our own thing and self-host? And and after some deliberation, we decided to go with a hosted platform like Shopify. And for anyone starting today, Shopify is the ultimate place to be.
0: It's kind of the standard. huh? So
1: today we couldn't really do it without Shopify. Um, Other tech stack tools that we use, um, we use Slack for team communication. We use Asana for project management Mm. and kind of task keeping. Um, We're on Google apps for work. Is great for storing documents in the cloud mm-hmm. and you know shared documents we can edit and use and of course email. Um, and aside from that, we don't really have any homegrown software that we've worked on or used. Mm-hmm. Um, we have apps that are tied to our Shopify site mm-hmm. that are awesome and that really help us accomplish things is on that the sales side, like
0: managing inventory and and purchase orders and that type of stuff through there.
1: No. We manage mm. purchase orders on Excel. Cool. Um, primarily, I mean, awesome. our, our manufacturer has their own system, but we've created documents in an entire supplier and vendor operations manual mm. with our version of the PO, the bill of lading, yeah. the packing list, and our production schedule. All of those are just formatted on Excel that Hmm. we use. And it's worked really great um, in in that regard, just using Excel for that. So that's been an important, I guess, tech stack for us. Um, Other than that, though, yeah, the apps on Shopify are mostly um, geared towards sales and selling. Hmm. So it's an app that's a pop-up to help gather emails or, you know... It's like email software. I guess we have email software. We're using Clavio hmm. for email software. Yeah, that's kind of the tech stack that we're currently on.
0: It's awesome. It's good hearing those specific details and recommendations. Are really, They're good to hear that, right? But if you're looking to do your own thing, it's like, okay, yeah, but what are, you know.
1: Give me some ideas. Give me some ideas.
0: Yeah. So it's always good to get ideas like that. Um, before we hit the the last question that I had, and this wasn't on here, so it's okay if it takes a second to think about what are your thoughts and feelings about this industry in specific, how it looks from your perspective, even locally in Utah or whatever. What, you know, is this a good time for, for consumer products? Is it a hard time for consumer products? Where do you think the industry sits?
1: I think based on our experience and the evolution that Mm -hmm. we've seen with our social media and social media marketing, that's kind of guides me to form the opinion I have about Mm -hmm. it. Um, social media marketing has really drastically changed over the last five years Mm -hmm. where five years ago, four years ago, maybe even three years ago, Mm -hmm. it was much easier to grow organically yeah I think had gather started five six years ago without Instagram being where it was. Mm-hmm. if today's Instagram existed five or six years ago when we were just starting, mm-hmm. it would have been a lot harder for us to mm-hmm. get going in it's not completely pay to play mm-hmm. today, but it's much more pay to play today. Mm -hmm. Than it was, it's much more crowded and it's a lot more difficult to gain followers, to gain traction on social media. So that, that kind of pushes me to form the opinion I have that it's not too late to start a product company. Mm -hmm. Definitely not, but it just takes a different strategy today than it took us five or six years ago. And it's, influencer driven. Mm -hmm. It's giveaway driven. Those are really the only ways that we've found real organic, well, not organic, but real growth on Instagram and on social media is through those means aside from paid advertising. Sure. Um, so I don't think it's too late, but I think it's going to be a lot more difficult on Mm -hmm. at least the Instagram platform. Sure. Um, I think in a few years from now, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a really great time for a product company right Mm -hmm. now uh, in general.
0: It's funny because so many people are focused on tech and I think we're missing the fact that this is the golden age for, for product. Yeah. Really is. is. You don't have to go through big box retailers or, you know, it used to be impossible
1: to even get in, but I guess it's a great time. Yeah. And there's a lot of key players in Utah who have made, you know, made hits like, have hit something special and, and become kind of a big deal. And I think when you reach a certain size, too, it's like all of a sudden you become super sexy to investors. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you're heralded as like a like a star company, star CEO. You know, freshly mm-hmm. picked Susan Peterson kind of yeah. hit that. Mm-hmm. hit that level and um rags, Rachel Nilsson of Rags to Raches kind of hit that level. Uh yeah. she's like been on a few panels and like I think she was on a panel at this last um Silicon Slope Summit or something. Um mm-hmm. and then Jeremy Andrus of course he's like the big star in at least consumer product yep. space in Utah with Traeger. And it's like once you hit that level they really become like really attractive to investors, yeah. and it's like seen as seen almost in the same lens as like a really cool tech company. Really, in some yeah. ways, you know. Well, the thing that's so bizarre for me with like,
0: so I've I've obviously been involved with tech companies as well, and it's like that whole process is so different. It's this new thing of. It can't function without investment. Yeah. Like if you, start, if you start a tech company, it is so rare to be able to have it be your sole source of income mm-hmm. or whatever until you have an investor. And that's kind of the play. Build a software, get investment. Hopefully when we hit a certain point, we'll be profitable. Like yeah. Uber is still not profitable. Yeah, and And it's you crazy. come and look at kind of these niche products and you go, this is a better investment. A lot of investors right now are so packed with tech They're realizing. Wait a minute, I need like I need something that's turning
1: over right now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It has been definitely a big shift in the last few years amongst investors that I am aware of and read about is that their their shift to like profitability. You know, Mm -hmm. for tech companies, and I think we've seen some major tech companies kind of fail and fall. Who the market was looking at as this you know big huge success. And then all of a sudden you look at their books and you dig into their finances when they go to do an IPO and it's like, Mm -hmm. whoa, this is like a really bad business. Yeah. Um, And so I think that shift toward profitability and like growth, growth, but with profitability now Mm -hmm. has been really key. And I've seen um, Corey at Taft kind of like, you know, he's, he's the kind of company that investors are interested in because it's a company that's profitable, has been from day one, yeah. and is growing quickly. And mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's just—it's definitely a, a, cool a shift space happening. to be in. And I, it's—I don't want to say it's expired to like go start a product company and still do well because it's not, but it's definitely becoming harder and harder to do mm-hmm. as social media has kind of like filtered out. It's like pay to play now. You yeah, know, it's like filtered out most of the opportunities for young, brand new companies to get social organic right. traction. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, yeah, it's an interesting. It is space. interesting, but it always
0: feels like there's still <laughs> there's always these new things that happen. Yeah, and and if you can kind of examine, so like I look at Instagram, right? It went from being like that's the that's the space you play in. You've got to go in there, hit the influencers, mm-hmm. you know, and do all stuff. It's getting so crowded now. And you look around and go, so where, you know, where do new people enter in? And my brain goes to some weird places because people thought Instagram was weird to go into at first. I think the places now are like TikTok, <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't understand how that place works. doesn't make any sense, but that's what's up and coming. And I guarantee you, give it, you know, three years or so, everyone will be talking about TikTok marketing. You know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah. It's weird how it's like constantly shifting around.
1: Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, we haven't gone to TikTok mostly because our customers (laughs) aren't there, but we'll see. Well,
0: that's the thing is I think it's not, you know, the up-and-comers. I don't know if our generation, you know, is who I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about these younger kids coming up that are going to start doing this. They're like teenagers right now. Yeah, Yeah, they'll go through some of those
1: weird channels (laughs) that I'm not used to but anyway consumer goods and consumer brands can start something today and reach the end consumer mm-hmm. without the middleman or the middlemen yeah. there used to be lots of people in the middle between consumer goods and in many product niches and with many companies and retail outlets it's still the same way there's still a lot of middlemen in there mm-hmm. but it doesn't need to be that way um because a, a consumer-minded brand mm-hmm. can both manufacture and sell, manufacture the goods and sell to the end consumer. Right. And it doesn't need, we don't need a retail outlet anymore. We don't need, um, you know, a product development group yeah. Per se, obviously those can be great and we have used some and we will continue to use some of those going forward sure. but it can be done solo mm-hmm. and that's one of the beauties of the consumer of the product the product modern product company today the direct yeah. consumer brand or D- dtc brand right as mm-hmm. it's referred to these um and i think it's almost a heyday. I feel like it's kind of a heyday for product brands who have been in business for a number of years, Um, have a lot of friends that are in a very, very similar boat to gather right Mm -hmm. now started within a couple of years of us and who are all in a similar place from a revenue standpoint and an audience size standpoint Mm -hmm. today. And it's, it's actually kind of mind boggling just to recognize how many companies have such a similar story to gathers. Yeah. And we were, we had no connection to most of these companies when we were first starting, mm. but we've become acquainted with them as we've attended different events and things for product companies over the last several years. And just kind of rubbed shoulders with people who we see coming up, you know, in our feed yeah. and we reach out to recognize oh, they're in Utah as mm-hmm. well. And we've kind of, formed a informal alliance, you know, sure. and group with, with these people where we chat and we talk about our challenges and things. And I think we all would probably agree and say that this is like, this is a golden time. It's like the heyday time to be in, in product. Mm. And I think it will continue to be that way for a long time. Obviously the tactics will change and maybe it won't be on Instagram in a few yeah. years, right? Maybe it's going to be on TikTok or some other sure. platform where they're going to see a lot of rapid growth, but it, Just need to be where your customer is, really.
0: Yeah. So if you were doing it from scratch today, what do you think? How, you know, this is all theoretical, right? What would your approach be with this changing climate?
1: I would make sure that materials we're using, whatever niche it's in, are um, organic or, Mm -hmm. you know, in line with trends of today's mm-hmm. consumers wanting organic or healthy or, you know, non-toxic goods. So mm-hmm. I'd make sure my raw materials were in line with, uh, I wouldn't say the extreme view, but like the more eco-friendly yeah. ecological view. Um, and I would make sure that our brand is very focused on, Whatever you know, it's very focused and refined, and that we're going to be consistent mm. with our brand and the visuals, and who our target is, who are we trying to sell to? And then I would proceed and set up manufacturing in with a great partner who I could rely on, and it might it might need to be someone smaller from the start. Sure, maybe it needs to be local, or maybe it needs to be a mix of, um, you know, some stay-at-home. Moms or some some people who could depending on what the product is if it can be sewn it's easier to find a cut and sew shop or use use a network of people who have a sewing machine at home Um, But finding yeah small runs and getting going but I would still launch and have my key strategy be Instagram Hmm. for social media and influencers for featured posts and giveaways would be a big thing and think all the same things we're doing today would probably still be done. I just think it would have a different level of success or a different sure. pace of growth. Right. Um, so it might require funding. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we were finding that traction was slow, being more open to that, we personally haven't taken any funding oh, wow. and we've been That's profitable impressive. since our first month in business. Awesome. Um, and we've been able to, to self grow the business, but that's maybe one thing that would change today versus the future is I may find that I would have to come out of pocket to self fund Mm -hmm. this new venture or find an angel investor or something to help get us there and prove out the concept and put a little more money behind reaching the consumer on social media.
0: Hmm. Awesome stuff. So that might be wrapped up in the final question. That is advice that you'd give current current product developers and that's a great enough answer for that question if you don't have another thing to submit yeah and I
1: I think I touched on it earlier too but I would strongly encourage staying focused on you and your Mm -hmm. niche and why you started it and get really creative about where you're finding those people Mm -hmm. blogs you know um, Instagram groups or, Mm -hmm. or Facebook groups you know hashtags on Instagram where there's like like-minded people who are you know let's say it's like biking BMX biking or something a product for that space you just got to really dive into and someone starting a product in a space like that ideally has that need for themselves so they they get the mindset yeah right and they they know the platforms and the places where they can reach those kind of people um and you just got to get creative be open to doing Like if it was a BMX thing, you know, sponsoring somebody and maybe it's like a really small somebody and maybe they're not going to ask for money. They're just going to have product, but Mm -hmm. get super creative about it. And then don't be afraid to work with companies that are trying to do that. They're young. Also, Mm -hmm. you kind of band together with people that are your same size up and coming, trying to do something and kind of band together a little bit to do you know, giveaways, promote each other and just work, work with people. That's been a big factor for our growth is we've done a lot of co-branded product launches, where we'll do a collaboration with another brand, another Mm. company, and maybe use some of their designs that they're printing and they're doing clothing, Yeah, but use that design on our mat and kind of make this co-branded launch of a product, which really allows both brands to benefit from that and grow. We, we did a collaboration with studio McGee, um, three, almost three years ago, and it was really great. It Mm. gave us exposure to the new audience. And, um, so I think making meaningful connections with people that aren't necessarily competitive to you, Mm -hmm. um, but that are kind of trying to do the same thing can really go a long way. So getting creative about how you're going to approach things and, and being diligent you know yeah. you're going to experience setbacks and disappointments and you just need to pivot and keep trying mhm cuz there is a market i i'm i'm a huge proponent for entrepreneurship and new business creation yeah. and i would encourage almost anybody not everybody but almost everybody to try their own business yeah. and i think especially as you get into a really broad product category Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of big players today, Mm -hmm. you can carve out a market for yourself, for your own company. Yeah. Just stay niche and stay focused and you will carve out a meaningful business for yourself. If Mm -hmm. you stay at it and you get advice from mentors and you're willing to pivot and keep trying because, um, you know, let's say you can go in, reach a million dollars in sales mm-hmm. at some point in your first three or four years of business. Sure. That million dollars in sales, if it's in a, in an industry where there is like, let's say a $10 billion market opportunity. Yeah. That you're not going to get on the radar of any of those big companies out there. Right. And you can find a way to carve out your own million dollar little business mm-hmm. out of a $10 billion company. Yep absolutely there's people out there who will come to you instead of that big brand Mm -hmm. and so that's my main encourage major encouragement for hopeful entrepreneurs or people that are wanting to start a a product business is you can carve it out just stay focused and and don't try and go mainstream when you're so small because you have to stay niche to be able to get traction
0: Mm -hmm. awesome advice awesome advice Thank you for spending the time here with me this afternoon. You're Where welcome. could uh, our listeners find your product
1: and find you? They can find gather on instagram at g a t h r e cool spelled wrong It's spelled gather <laughs> <laughs> <But laughs> let's say it gather um and online at gather.com. great and um yeah i i hide in the back scenes so you're not ever gonna really We're see gonna me find you again. on social media <laughs> um i leave that to my business partners that's so. smart
0: i i would do the same thing
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> well thanks for coming on today yeah
1: thank you so much